0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host. Alex Golden, you can follow me on Twitter at NBA, and you can follow my co-host at underscore FACCI, it's the one and only Michael Jerome Focci, Focci, what's going on brother? Hey Alex, always great
2: to talk Pacer basketball, even better to talk it after a win, unlike last episode where he kind of handed to us, you know, we weren't really expecting a win against Houston, but a win's a win, and I love it.
1: Wasn't really sure what to expect, especially with Brogdon and both worn out. But the Pacers got some great production off the bench. Um, Miles Turner played pretty well yesterday. And uh, they were able to hold off a late fourth-quarter rally from James Harden, who ended with 45 points and 17 rebounds. So, you know, I'm not really sure if the Rockets were trying to win or not. But they definitely didn't look like a (laughs) fortune.
2: No, they didn't. It was a very strange game. We obviously knew Westbrook wasn't going to play. Pacers did the right move, benching T.J. Warren and Malcolm Brogdon, let them get some rest. Um, But I'm not going to lie, I kind of thought we were going to squander that that 10-point lead at the end. (laughs) It got really close, and we knew. We spoke on the last episode. James Harden, I think he had like 44 points the last time we played him. He was going to get his. It just so turned out, no one else on the Rockets pretty much did anything. You got Jeff Green, who's just older than Dirt. Put in 14 points, and other than that, no one else really proved to be much of a threat. Felt like one of the big stories, Edmund Sumner. Alex, I feel like, you know, you've been calling for, you know, you loved what you saw out of Sumner a couple games ago. I feel like he was the bright spot of yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, when he's hitting his three-point shot, because he's got one of the ugliest shots that I've seen Mm -hmm. from a Pacers guard in a long time, and that's not a knock. I just, it's not very pretty, but... Hey, if it's going in, who cares what it looks like? I mean, I used to say the same thing about Kevin Martin. The guy had one of the most that was odd-looking a shots. Shot. It, yeah. it was ugly, but it went in. So, hey, Edmund Sumner, if you're going to hit threes, you can be very effective because defensively, I think Edmund, while he's a little bit you know, small and muscle, he's quick and he's slender and, and he's able to move and he's just very lateral. So I like, I like Sumner. I, I think that he proved last night that he could be thrown into a playoff game and maybe give you some minutes to give some guys some rest. I mean, I wouldn't count on him for 15, 20 minutes, twenty four like you played last night. But hey, if he can play a short amount of, uh, amount of minutes and uh, let these guards get some rest, I'm all for it. I mean, hard not to want to play a guy who goes two or three from three, six of eleven from the field for seventeen points off the bench.
2: Yeah. So that was. Uh, it brings me to one of my uh, main points from this Rockets game was basically the the question, the golden question of when you're talking about Edmund Summer. Can he be effective come playoff time? Because, you know, make no mistake about it, last night was one of the best games of Sumner's career. I believe the last game of uh, last year's season against the Hawks, I think he had a really good game. But, you know, 17 points on 6 of 11 shooting, it was something that just, he was the positive thing that that stood out. There's a few other positives, but, you know, 24 minutes, that's not going to happen. But if we're talking about playing him, even... (laughs) A third of that eight minutes? Do we think that you know yeah. he can maybe be effective? Sometimes we see him a little bit, you know, all over the place, but you know, we know McMillan's gonna shorten the rotation. Feels like Sumner's that guy that's been in and out of the rotation. So curious to see if he can maybe provide at least a little bit of a spark
1: at times, whether it's for a few minutes at a time. What do you think? Well the good th- well the good thing with Edmund is you know you're gonna get hustle and energy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's similar to McConnell where he brings that type of you know, that type of energy off the bench. And I think if things are getting sluggish, Edmonds is the guy you call in there. I mean, I know McConnell's probably the first guy, but if you throw both those guys in there just to try to play some, you know, full court defense and bring the tempo up a little bit, I'm all for it. Uh, Don't want to count on him too much because we haven't seen it consistently from him. So I'm not going to take a Rockets team that wasn't playing great defense yesterday as my reason for why I think he should get a lot of minutes. But I do think that he definitely has... Uh, potential to be a spark plug in a playoff series.
2: Yeah, no, I really do. He, um, I, I, I I don't want to, you know, have him bite off more than he can chew. So I feel like if we're going to go with, you know, keeping it maybe under 10 minutes, um, I, I like that. But I think that he's also, when you hope that we bench, you know, and rest the, the starters against the Heat, I feel like Sumner's that guy where we can see if he can do it two games in a row. And if he yeah. can do it against the Heat, I'd feel better giving him more minutes than that. But uh, that was one of my takeaways from uh, the Rockets
1: game. Uh, what did you have in mind? Well, you you had, I think you had a list of this as one of your takeaways, so I'll just steal it yeah. and we can talk about it together. What we saw from Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott yesterday was unbelievable. And um, those guys needed to see the ball go in the hoop. 6-7 for McDermott for 16 points and 6-10 of 10 for 18 points from Justin Holiday. while they both shot. Uh, well, from beyond the arc, McDermott hit all three of his, and Justin went 50% going four of eight. And those guys, I believe, uh, uh, yeah, they had seven made threes yesterday. Fachi, they had seven made threes prior to yesterday's game throughout the Oof. entire bubble. So they, they matched what they had done the whole entire bubble. I mean, I know, like I just said, Houston played bad defense, but I'm hoping them seeing the ball go in the hoop was a bit of a confidence booster, and maybe they can get some more shots to fall in against Miami because – Who knows? I don't think there's going to be a lot of um, star players in that game on on Friday. So, yeah, this is another opportunity for them to continue to get shots to go in. But, yeah, I like what I saw a lot from Justin Holliday and McDermott yesterday. I loved it. I feel like, just as you mentioned before, these were the two
2: players that I had been asking about for the last few games is we need to get them going. And I think that this was like the perfect confidence boost for those guys. I mean, the 18 points – Justin Holiday. this is someone who had been very much struggling I mean six six made shots yesterday he had six made shots in the past four games combined so talk about a guy who just like you mentioned you just see the ball going in that net I think that as a shooter like someone like Doug McDermott as a shooter I feel like just one game can change it all I know it sounds weird there's no science behind that but I just feel like when you're a shooter, sometimes you just need that one break, that one good game where you could be good from there. Hey, maybe it's just one game. But curious to see about a guy like McDermott where they mentioned that he had been battling some knee soreness, uh, missed a game you know, earlier, missed the Phoenix game. So curious to see if he would play in the Heat game, maybe to get a few shots. I think that would be valuable. But regardless, I mean, those guys last night, that, those those two and Sumner were the ones that stood out the most of like wow, you know what whether whatever happened there on yeah. holiday you like them get on track again. Those guys we needed to get on track and you know McDermott a plus 18 in the game. you know I know Justin Holiday started, but let's also talk about the bench played really well yesterday. everybody was a positive on a plus minus rating. While all starters were negative, Justin Holiday minus two, we're not going to dock him for that. He played a really good game.
1: Well, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, when James Harden was on the floor and when he wasn't. So that, that to me, is a major thing because, I mean, I'm not even sure. I think, uh, yeah, Harden played 35 minutes. So in those 13 minutes, I think the Pacers probably did do a lot of damage because, really, if you look at who was on the Rockets yesterday, they didn't play super well. Uh, Their starters were pretty bad their bench was atrocious from the field uh Jeff Green was the only player to make more than one shot off the bench so and he went five of twelve which is okay shooting but not great it's under 50 percent so uh not sure how many threes he shot he shot uh looks like he shot four, four. so he went missed all four of he, them. <laughs> yeah so it's like he he didn't have a good game either but one thing I will say when it comes down to Doug McDermott just real quick Playing with that second unit in the playoffs, I think it's going to be harder for him to get buckets. I I would like to see him maybe sub in early for an Aaron Holiday type or a a Brogdon type to, to let them run with the second unit a little bit more and then let Doug kind of just be that spread four with the starters. Because if you have guys that can get to the basket and kick it out to an open Doug, that's going to be a better look for him than trying to be the primary source of offense with Sumner, McConnell... Justin Holliday, and Goga. I mean, there's not a guy that can really generate offense there. And I think having guys that can uh, get to the basket and create up the dribble will help open up the three-point shot for him. Yeah, I I like my McDermott catching and shooting. You know,
2: just going, I do not like him doing too much. Um, I think McBuckets is great when he can literally just catch and put it right up. I thought that even he had at least two makes, you know, pretty much in the paint. Where he was just catching McConnell assist and kind of go right up with it. So uh, I love that. I I think th- I like your idea right over there because, man, him trying to be a go-to guy is like this isn't Creighton, you know. This isn't Creighton <laughs> McDermott where you're putting up 28 points per game. You know, we want you. To be nailing three point shooters. As I mentioned a hundred times in the past, this is the guy that we signed at 1201 on free agency a few years back. I want him, the three point shooter, the, the one from earlier in the year that was shooting about 45%. So if, if we can get him going, um, it, it's going to make this Pacers team a bit more dangerous because I knew coming in the Rockets game, you were never going to shoot as many threes as the Rockets. You weren't even going to shoot 75% as many threes as the Rockets. They put up 57 threes, which is just absurd. They shot a terrible percentage, 16 of 57. Pacers at 31 threes. I kind of hoped they would have put up a little bit more, but in the end, they made it work. So a win's a win. You won the rebounding battle. Only thing is, you did it against a small ball lineup as well. So there
1: wasn't
2: wasn't many takeaways from this game. That's the thing. It's like... Did this win really make you feel like, hey, the Pacers got back on track? It felt like one of those games where like, yes, there was meaning to it. You still wanted to win to be able to preserve the five seed, but it was just kind of one of those wins where, you know, if you win, you win. If you lose, eh, nah, whatever, we're moving on, you know?
1: Yeah, it kinda of felt like one of those uh it felt like one of those games where it's late in the season, like late in April, and you kinda of know where you're gonna be locked up at in the playoffs. So you don't really care, and you just kind of try to go out there and get a little run in, maybe get a little confidence going. That's what we saw last night, and I know your last point, uh, you definitely want to talk about uh, the man that put up 26 shots yesterday. So I will let you take the floor and uh, talk about that because last, yesterday's game to me didn't really mean much, But except I thought it could be a, a nice opportunity for players to get a little bit of a, a run that don't usually get a massive run. Yeah, sure. So
2: one of those guys that did put up a lot of shots, Victor Oladipo, 26 shots, something we had not seen from him you know, in a bit. I had some of those games recently, he had been around like 8 shots, 10 shots. So it was interesting to see 26 shots, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Of, now, Alex, I heard that Reggie Miller used to do this, so I'm curious to see what you think. Right when playoff time's coming around, Reggie Miller would would see a major uptick in shots to get ready for the playoffs when he knew that he was going to need, be needed much more to score the ball. And 26 shots for Vic. I was wondering, do you think it's to say, hey, I need to let this ball fly because come playoff time, you know, it typically the, the team with the best player is going to win? Or do you think this was, hey, no Brogdon, no Warren?
1: You know, obviously I'm going to have a bigger role tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I mean, the Pacers definitely needed him to try to create because they didn't have no, they didn't really have anybody else to help create besides Aaron Holiday. And uh, we saw Aaron had a really rough game last night, one of 11 from the field. And so, I mean, it was an opportunity for Victor to kind of go out there and say, hey, let me see what I can do. So ultimately, yes, without Brogdon, without Warren, he's going to have more touches. There's nobody else that can really create off the dribble and be that dynamic um, in that starting unit. So it was good to see some of the shots that he took. I know he was two of 12 from three, seven to 26 overall. So a really bad percentage, but there were some really nice moves that I saw from Vic. Um, I like that. He tried to dunk and <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in, in traffic. I it just means that he's starting to get more confident in what he can do and, and come playoff time. We know that his shot, you know, a shot attempts are going to be down, but he's already ruled out for tomorrow's game too, with a bunch of other starters. We'll talk about that in a second, but um Getting up twenty six shots, plenty of time to rest. I, I just really wanted to see him go out there and play. And one thing he led the team in minutes by a lot. Thirty-seven minutes yesterday, Fudge. Thirty seven minutes. That's quite a bit for me. Maybe and he too said it much after minutes. the <laughs> yeah. Well, he he said it after the game that he hadn't played that many minutes since he's been back. So to me, what that means is, hey, they were trying to maybe get him ready to, to play extended minutes for the playoffs. And I think a little bit of that was uh, a sh- uh, tired legs, and um, that's probably why he shot the ball a little short. I,
2: I think so. I felt like I was leaning towards the trying to get him ready for playoff time type situation with the twenty six shots. I think of all situations, the the shooting percentage doesn't worry me as much in a meaningless game. Seven of twenty six. I mean, let's be honest; it's about twenty six percent. So. That's not good. I mean, between him and Aaron Holiday, they struggled. But in a game where you happen to win and they struggle, it it doesn't matter. You know, you walked away with a win. So I I was happy to see the extended minutes, the extended shots. I'm getting a little bit worried about if Vic can't get to the free-throw line as much. Zero free-throws in the game on 26 shots. Kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, you want to see a little bit more. But, hey, he escaped the game healthy. That's what matters most.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. He's healthy, and hopefully he'll be healthy for the playoffs. You know, I saw Taz Mellis Mellis from uh, the No Dunks podcast, formerly with the starters, if you guys didn't realize they got picked up. Um, He said, well, does this mean that uh, Victor might sit out the playoffs now uh, with T.J. Warren getting plantar fasciitis? And I'm just like, "Uh, what are you talking about, dude? Like, that's kind of a irrelevant tweet. So if you saw that, um, he tweeted that yesterday. I was not really under sure uh, understanding why he said that. So um, he said, "Guess we're not going to see the best of Victor Oladipo this season. Any chance he pulls out of the playoffs?" And I'm like, um, you know, then you have of course Heat trolls in there uh, saying, "Well, by game three, he'll be on the on the Heat bench." But uh, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's just I don't think Vic is fully right. I think he's still trying to figure things out figure out what he can do with himself uh, it, since coming back from a gruesome injury. I mean, we know that's a really tough injury and not very many players have come back from it and been like the same players. So he's trying to work at that. And I would say it'll probably be until next season until we see Vic feeling more confident in the things that he can do. I think right now he's still trying to test it out and see how capable his knee is at, you know, handling Hard hits, you know. Maybe guys stepping underneath his legs when he tries to shoot. It's it's just it's a big it's a big scary thing for him, and I understand it. It is.
2: I've tempered expectations because you know, like we talked about before, he's trying. Guys, he could have sat out. He could have because at the end of the day, his health is the most important thing to him. That's his money maker. But here <laughs> he is. Here he is with the playoffs. You know, everything on the line. He's ready to rock. He's I firmly believe that he is trying to do his best like i don't think that he's being lackadaisical in any approach like that he's trying i think the confidence is something that's going to come back over time but hey for now he's here so let's temper the expectations a bit no he does not look like the vic of two years ago but that's what's going to take time so let's not be too hard you know, we we have to call a spade a spade. If he shoots seven of twenty six, you know, we have to acknowledge, hey, it, it wasn't a great shooting game. But you know, there's going to be more games to play, and let's see what he can do in the playoffs because we don't need him to necessarily be the old Vic. We need about seventy five percent of that, and if we can get that, I, I think the Pacers, you know, they could be very competitive against the Heat despite what we saw during the regular season.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll have to get back to that Heat preview. I know we have a really cool special coming out on Pacers TV and we've got a lot of great Pacers, uh, writers and, and uh, you know, Chris Ari hopefully will be on it. Jeremiah Johnson, Kevin Bowen, Tony East, uh, Mark Schindler, Tyler Smith. So, um, um, Kent Sterling of course will be on it and uh, maybe Derek Schultz. So we have a quite a few guys coming on to try to help preview this series for us, but, um, don't want to get too much into that foch Cause I know that we have some other coverage that we want to do with that. But, um, Last night's game, of course, was just another uh, another chance for the Pacers to get better. Miles Turner played well with 18 points, 12 rebounds. You know, didn't shoot the ball efficient, but he was good enough and uh, had a double-digit rebounding game, which was nice to see. And the Pacers didn't win the rebounding battle, and I do think that makes a difference when it comes to winning that game. If they don't win the rebounding battle, they probably end up losing that game to the Rockets. But um, just real quick, for tomorrow's game against the Heat, Friday is going to get the If you're listening to this Friday morning, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter, but no Oladipo, no Warren, no miles Turner. Gugabatadze is questionable. The heat also are arresting some guys, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, bam Adebayo, Gabe Vincent and Casey Akpala are all out. While Jay Crowder, Derek Jones, Jr. And Andre Iguodala is, are questionable. So, you know, it's going to be the Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero show versus the McConnell McDermott show. So, uh, <laughs> not too much there for tomorrow's game, but, uh, Let's just get these guys rested and uh, ready for that playoff series next week.
2: Completely. You never want to throw the towel in on a game completely, but this is that one game on the year where I don't care what the result is. I just want these guys to leave the court healthy. If I can root for my guys like Alizé Johnson and Brian Bowen and, and Nazmichu Long and those guys that have, you know, some good games, some good performances. That would just be fun, you know. It's like seeing seeing your kids kind of just have a lot of fun right in front of you. I feel like those are the youth, the guys that we're really rooting for to just get some minutes and just get out there. If if we could see a strong performance from Goga, I feel like that would be awesome because yeah, we're we're, we're holding on to little things like a block here or there, a rebound, but we want to see Goga. You know. Can you get us, like, double-digit points or, or rebounds or something where something like that where we could put a stamp on, you know, he made a difference in this game? So that, that's what I'm excited to see. That's what I'll be looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that matters is the Pacers do win. They do get the home court advantage, which means we'll get to see our fans pumped in to the, uh, to the game for a few more games in the Heat. So that's the only bright side to it. and We get to see the Pacers logo instead of the Heat's logo out there on the court. So I guess that's the only positive. So I'll be rooting for the Pacers tomorrow. I hope they pull that win out. And uh, Botch, I mean, I I think this wraps up our uh, recap and preview. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and hear what Kevin Bowen has to say about the Nate McMillan extension. All right, everybody, joining us right now from 1070 The Fan is Kevin Bowen and we're going to talk a little bit about Nate McMillan's contract extension. So, so KB, uh, you know, was a surprise early Wednesday morning, but what were your thoughts on the extension for uh, Nate McMillan?
3: Yeah, I, the, the timing probably a little bit surprising, but I think the Jeff Van Gundy, Zach Lowe rumors that I know you were on pretty early um, last week, I, I think that probably tipped Kevin Pritchard saying, all right, let's 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 get ahead of this and go ahead and announce, you know, that that we have already signed an extension with Nate. So, um, you know, it's it, kind of two thoughts immediately pop into the head. One is this team continues to overachieve in the regular season, and Nate McMillan has been thrown an awful hand, and really every season from an injury standpoint, from a saga standpoint with Paul George, and even a little bit of Victor Depot and um, just how poor that roster was early in his you know, start here in uh, in Indiana. Um, so, I, I think, how can you fire him based off a regular season record? I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way you could you could do that. Um, that was the first thing that kind of popped in my head, especially when you look at, you know, the individual success a lot of guys have had. Collison, Boyan, you know, TJ Warren, Domas, you know, some of those guys. And, and then secondly... Um, you also think back to just the elephant in the room of, of his playoff resume and kind of really what his, his teams have been defined by, and this is whether it's Seattle or Portland. His teams do really well in the regular season, make the playoffs more often than they don't, um,
1: typically not
3: an upper four seed, and then bow out in round one. That's pretty much been status quo. Again, no matter what stop, you know, Portland, Seattle, or, or Indiana, and I guess now the question is just, is this the Pacers, you know, maintaining a coach that we already know about of a guy that, you know, at times maybe runs some guys in the ground during the regular season or puts too, em- too much emphasis on the regular season? Then he to the playoffs and that advantage that you have of playing harder and showing more effort that every other team, you know, kind of shows effort and plays hard in the playoffs. So now that advantage you had during the regular season you know, kind of bites you a little bit. So those are probably the two thoughts on each side of it that uh, popped into my head.
2: Hey, Kevin, uh, did you think the Pacers might've played it maybe a little too safe by, you know, bringing McMillan back before the playoffs and kind of hitting for the singles and doubles rather than potentially seeing what else is out there? Because, you know, widely regarded around the league, Nate McMillan is a really good coach, but it could have been a big gamble to to go and bring in someone else when, it's not like there's a lot of great coaches out there. So do you think this was more of a playing it safe uh, move, or is it more of, hey, I really want to see this team have one full run at being healthy and a one-year extension, not too bad? Yeah, it's a good
3: question. It's probably a little bit of both. You know, I think in the short and off season with some uncertainty there on just how long it's going to be and what that will look like, that probably played into it, um, but I also think there's a lot. And Kevin Fritchard mentioned this in the in the press release. I think there's a lot of truth to, again, what does this team look like when fully healthy? Um, obviously, there's a question of will you ever get there? With you know, when you look at guys like Brogdon and and his injury history, and then Victor, um, and just where he's currently at. Although um, I think he's shown very good health here in Orlando. But, um, yeah, I, I think that played into it a little bit. I think the biggest thing that if I were Kevin Pritchard and I were talking to Nate McMillan and giving him this contract extension, it would be kind of an ultimatum of saying, all right, you need to evolve as a coach on the offensive end of the floor. And you need, you need to be open-minded and maybe changing up how you approach the regular season. And, yes, you've had really nice success, but, you know, we want success, and this would be Kevin Pritchard talking about the Pacers, we want success in the postseason. You know, just making the playoffs isn't enough. And I know for a franchise, there's the wide debate of the Simons just want as high as floor as possible, and they'll be content with making the playoffs and, you know, coming out and, and maybe not taking as many risks. So I, I think if, if you're Kevin Pritchard, you have a great relationship with Nate and know him full well. You've got to make sure that you push his buttons a little bit as a head coach and say, okay, 16, 17 years into this, don't get complacent be more open-minded, try some new things, maybe change up your, your staff and find a new, you know, offensive minded assistant, if you will. Um, that would be an absolute
1: must for me. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting, Kevin, was when Nate McMillan was talking with the media, he basically said that, you know, he hasn't really had a fair chance to, to prove what he can do with the healthy roster. So he thought that it was only fair that he got extended for that reason. So you know, we, we talked about, or you talked about before, how the, the contract being short was an uh, interesting dynamic. So I'm curious, um, does he kind of know that he's got to, you know, have success in the playoffs to really consider himself the long-term answer here for the Pacers? Or does or do these short-term contracts really not mean that much?
3: Um,
1: I think it's i think it's your first point
3: you know and this is the elephant in the room you know i've talked about it on on our airwaves you know this is a marvin lewis type of playoff resume and that's you know not a compliment um i know they've been the lower seated team um you know many times and and, and have been the underdog more often than not but still um you got to get over that hump and whether that's you know, getting more of a home court or if it's, again, taking more of a scaled-back approach and trying some different things during the regular season to where you get in the playoffs and you have a little bit more potency um, with your approach. Because, you know, something I I really think that we have to focus on with the Pacers is in this market, you know full well you're never going to be the most talented team. You just aren't going to be able to attract the type of free agents in other markets are going to be able to offer and ultimately sign. So where can you create other advantages and the Pacers and Kevin Pritchard are big believers in culture, you know, medical staff, facilities, rehab, like that can be a big advantage in the whole recruiting game. Great. And I totally agree with that. Secondly, a big advantage that shouldn't matter from a, you know, how you're a waterfront city or whatnot is you can have a coaching advantage. You can have that play to a strength. And so I think that is a big key as well. Um but for Nate McMillan, the elephant in the room is the lack of playoff success. And really for this Pacers franchise, I mean you are approaching, you know, if if you don't win a series this year, I think it'll be six I believe six straight seasons that you haven't won a playoff series. Um, that's a pretty long drought for this franchise. Obviously the Jim O'Brien days play play into a, a drought that you had, but before that it had been, you know, probably back to the eighties. Um, to looking back to that that long of a drought. So I think not only for Nate, but for this franchise, if you want to be a three-year extend guy, a long-term guy, whatever, uh, it's an absolute must to win a playoff series. Maybe not necessarily this year, of course, now that you're extended, uh, but certainly next season.
2: You know, Kevin. Anytime Jim O'Brien and Marvin Lewis are getting brought up in the same, you know, few yeah, sentences, you, you, you get a little scared. You get a little bit worried. But you know, if uh, but I love the analogies, by the way, but. If the Pacers get swept <laughs> for what would be the third time in four years, in you know, in conjunction with that, not winning a playoff series in six or seven years, will the perception of Nate McMillan change around the league? Because for a while, it feels like oh, he's flirting in that Coach of the Year running. You know, not quite that, but you put him in like a top five for what he keeps doing, helping overachieve. But would another sweep potentially change the perception and have it now known? This man can't and won't win in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, it's it's another good question. You know, I, I don't, I guess, I feel like people can have their opinion of Nate McMillan as a head coach, and the opinion is, and Jeff Van Gundy, I thought, laid, laid it out pretty well on the podcast, of saying, you know full well you're going to get incredible effort, there's a standard on both ends of the floor that they play to, um, you know, you're going to have consistent success in the regular season, but I don't know how you look at the playoff resume, and now we're 16, 17 years into him being a head coach, and I think it's eight or nine different playoff appearances. And, like, when does that become the norm? And when does that creep into the playoff perception? I Not to bring up Marvin Lewis again, but it certainly did near the end of that ten year. So I think this is just kind of who Nate McMillan is, and unless you all of a sudden change that, I don't know how the perception – um, could be any different, to be honest with you. So maybe that disagrees from what, you know, national people think. And obviously he's coached Team USA and whatnot. And, you know, deserves to be, I think, a respected coach. And being a, over five hundred in the regular season is a nice resume. But if you were to get swept, I mean, boy, you know, that's kind of been the thing is usually they're somewhat competitive in the playoff series. Now they haven't really been outside of, obviously, the seven-game series with Cleveland. A few years back here in Indiana, you, you, you've had two sweeps, like you mentioned. So, I don't know how the perception would be any different. And I think Nate has actually hinted at this. He, he, I remember, I think it was a Pacers golf outing back in September, he talked about, this a prove-it year. And I think he mentioned, like, it's getting over the playoff hump. Now, you know, some, some factors have obviously happened that have, you know, maybe lessened their chance of winning a series about Domas. But still... Uh, there's an opportunity. No home court involved. We'll see what seed the Pacers are, but um, I, I still look at it as an opportunity to get that monkey off your back a little bit, and then next year, you know, try to ride that momentum a little bit deeper into the
1: playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I think right now the best way to sum up Nate McMillan as a as a coach is you know, uh, a high floor, low ceiling, uh, a guy that is really going to get you know get players to play better. But how does he? Make adjustments and outcoach these, you know, top tier coaches in the NBA when it comes to playoff matchups and, you know, different fundamental things like that. I mean, he's not proven it yet, and um, I, I think this is a fair shot at letting him prove it with a healthy roster. I was a fan of the extension in regards to Nate McMillan getting a chance to prove himself with a healthy roster, but I, that does not mean I think he's the answer uh, for this team to to go far. I just think that he deserves another shot to try it, but. We know you got to get going, KB, so thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to have you on next week and uh, maybe get a little bit uh, lengthier of a, of a segment here if I don't have so many obstacles to go through. <laughs>
3: definitely, guys. I'm uh, excited about a playoff series and breaking down, you know, to feet and
2: whatnot, so we'll definitely have to do it next week. Thanks a lot, Kevin. See you.
1: Awesome stuff there by Kevin Bowen. Once again, thanks for coming on, KB. Always appreciate it. And we can't wait to have Kevin on our podcast every Thursday. So, Fachi, that's going to wrap up our episode today. I had a great time talking with you. Can't wait to see the Pacers in the heat. Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock. Going to be a fun game. Uh, any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, last thought, you know,
2: Pacers finished the year 44-28 and 28 as of now. If, and if they win, you know, they'll go 45-28. and 28. So, essentially, you know, if the Pacers won 5-5 five and five in their last Ten games, they would have hit 49, way more, you know, one game more than the 48 for the third straight year. You know, i had been saying, can you give us more than 48 wins? It seems like the Pacers were finally on pace for that 50-win season. Would have been great instead, you know, due to being robbed a few games with uh, everything going on in this world. The Pacers would finish at 44 or 45 wins. Alex, I assume, you know, we got
1: to chalk that up as a regular season success, given the injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I know we have to, but I think we can label that as the great unknown of how many games the Pacers would have won, and um, you know it's, it's it's exciting. I'm glad the bubble has worked. I'm glad the Pacers have played well in the bubble, and I'm hoping that T.J. Warren makes the All NBA bubble team. So, uh, other than that, I got nothing else to say. Make sure you follow Fachi at underscore facci. Make sure you follow me at Alex Golden NBA if you aren't already, and if you like what we what you're hearing right now, make sure you like and uh, subscribe on. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Leave us a rating and a review that always helps. And make sure you download those episodes. Don't just listen, download them. That way, if you ever don't have Wi-Fi or your connection's bad, you can just listen to Setting the Pace. You don't have to worry about having Wi-Fi, because I know sometimes I don't have great Wi-Fi or great service, and if I can just get that thing downloaded while I do have Wi-Fi, I can listen to it anywhere I'm going. So um, if you like Setting the Pace, follow us, Setting the Pace 3, over on Instagram at Talk. We will talk to y'all next week. Pacers playoffs are back, and uh, we're just excited, everybody. So peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Jerome.